In this episode, I speak with expert infant and child sleep consultant, Laurie Goodhart. Laurie has worked with hundreds of families to help bring sanity back to parents and give children restorative sleep that they desperately need. Laurie is passionate about her approach where she respects that all children are different, have different needs and abilities, and should be treated as such. She believes in a holistic approach to sleep, tailoring plans to meet the needs of children and their own parenting style, as well as looking at the temperament of the individual child. We talk about the importance of early childhood development and how what happens then plays out later in adult life. Laurie explains how multiple factors are impacting your child's sleep, including their environment, sleeping patterns, and family routines. She helps you feel empowered by creating a positive and successful experience. Welcome to the Rare Conversations podcast. I'm Leonie Milano, and I chat with creative entrepreneurs and business owners around the world about what it takes to start, sustain, scale, and sell a business. We talk about real-life scenarios to help you understand the path before you, to inspire your journey. I transitioned from working in film, TV, and global events to working with creative entrepreneurs through mindset coaching and mentoring. I'm on a mission to help entrepreneurs embrace the journey, understand themselves better, accelerate their growth, and get the most out of life, making sure they have a hell of a lot of fun along the way. Hi, good morning, Laurie. How are you? It's so nice to have you on my podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. Well, thanks for joining me. And uh, you are, it's your afternoon in Australia and my morning in Dubai. Yeah, I'm about to start the run for the afternoon. Anyone who has kids will know it's like the pick them up, the dinner, the bath, the bed, and it like gets really hectic <laughs> at this time of day. So I'm, I'm nearing <laughs> towards that time. Right. So I've got you just before that. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, you have such an incredible and extremely important job. Sleep is one of the most fundamental things that we need, obviously. It's not something that we know when we're younger. Um, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about how you got into becoming a sleep consultant and what came first? Was it that or the teaching? Okay, so, um, yes, I am a teacher. I am a high school teacher. Um, I've been doing that probably for about nine years. I went to uni. I did... Um, I majored in history, I did arts and I majored in history and then I did honours and I wrote a thesis on post-Holocaust communities and that's really where my interest was and then I thought, what am I going to do with all of this? And then that's when I sort of decided that I was wanted to be a teacher. So that's what I did and then um, life sort of went on and rolled on and then I started having children and that's when I really thought about how important sleep was. I was so sleep deprived. My daughter, um, who's now four and a half, had ear infection after ear infection and she was awake all the time. And when she was awake, I used to sit there and do research. And then I thought, I really want to put this into practice. And I went and became certified. And then I was running my business at the same time as while I was still teaching and it's only recently, um, probably about two months ago, that I actually resigned from my job as a teacher. And I just oh, do wow. sleep consultancy 
time. Yeah. And I kind of felt like I've got this gift of being able to help people sleep and I've got my background as a teacher. Why can't I just teach people how to sleep? So that's what it's, how I got into it. That's amazing. And it's something that we don't necessarily think about getting enough quality, I should say, sleep. Yeah, exactly right. Quality, yeah. Yeah, is an absolute prerequisite for our health and just being able to function throughout the day and having healthy relationships. Uh, and just like you said, sleep deprivation can have such an adverse effect on your home life and your work life. Why do we need to get enough sleep? Apart from the obvious of how we feel, what's yeah. actually happening from a scientific standpoint and health perspective in our bodies? Okay, so let's talk about it, I guess, in terms of adults first. So obviously I don't do sleep consultancy for adults. I do from newborn up till five years. So for adults, we need, according to like the National Health Foundation, we need eight hours of sleep every single night to be able to function properly. Everyone's sleep needs are different. Some adults might need seven hours and 40 minutes. Some might need eight hours and eight hours and 10 minutes. So all our sleep needs are different, but the baseline is eight hours. If you go five days in a row of having six hours of sleep, by the end of those five days, you're already 10 hours in sleep debt. And it's a really awful feeling being that tired. And there's been a lot of studies that is actually compared to your functioning being sleep deprived as driving under the influence. So say, Mm -hmm. for example, you go for a drive, um, it's that level of sleep deprivation is the same as if you, you know, have had um, a few drinks or if you're under the influence of drugs, it's the same sort of comprehension or understanding of what's going on. So not only are you sleep deprived, but now you look at a child who's also potentially sleep deprived because they're not sleeping properly. And for children, when that happens and they're not sleeping properly, um, when they're having a really good restorative sleep and enough to meet their needs, that's when um, short-term memories go from long-term. It's when they build and grow cell development. It's when they're... um, you know, they're, um, sorry, I've lost my words a little bit. Um, it's when, (laughs) it's when all of these things that not only, like you said, make us feel better. Mm. It's when emotional regulation happens. It's when, um, you have the time to process and understand feelings. I don't know if you've ever been around a toddler that hasn't had enough sleep and you're trying to feed dinner. It is absolutely impossible because their attention span drops and they they go from zero to 100 because they don't have the capacity to regulate themselves. And on top of that, they're sleep deprived. It's like a recipe for disaster. It's absolutely impossible. It's just such an important part of their, um, well, I mean, they they need Yeah, their development, that's the word I was looking for. It's really critical, the ages from zero to seven, when everything, you know, their um, belief system is Mm -hmm. coming together and they're watching what everyone else is doing around them. It's, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, so, like, we know how awful we feel when we're sleep-deprived and oh, then horrible. you've got a child who's on par with that because they're also sleep deprived because they're not getting the sleep that they need. 
And then you, who's already sleep deprived, is on top of that dealing with a child that's sleep deprived. It's it's really, really hard parenting when you don't have the support or the or your sleep needs aren't being met. Yeah. And imagine that happening daily, compounded over time. Exactly right. And it's exactly like you said, it's when relationships start to falter and suffer because you just don't have the capacity to add more on top of the mental load that you already mm. are experiencing. And who who is actually hiring sleep consultants? I mean, this is something uh, that I'd like to talk a bit about because I think this is something that mums struggle with, the guilt asking for help, thinking Mm -hmm. that they should just have a handle on it because this is how they are seen in society. Mm -hmm. Yes. And now on top of that is working mums. And exactly right. You know, the amount of what is required from a mother and that whole thing of them, why can't you look after everybody? (laughs) Why can't you be fully functioning? Yeah, the guilt that's associated of not even, you know, from an outsider's perspective, but in yourself, like, why can't I do this? Why am I not good enough? Mm. Why don't I have this figured out? This is my role as a mother and I can't seem to do it. And that sense of failure, and it is absolutely horrific. (laughs) It is so awful for anyone to ever feel like that. Sleep is a science. It can be really complicated. If you don't know what you're doing, there's some really difficult things to have to figure out how to navigate through it and no one sits there with a rule book and says this is what you need to do this is how you figure it all out and that what I noticed that the lack of postpartum support for these things like you know I always felt like when I gave birth to my children I was sitting in the hospital and I had a pediatrician to look after my kids and I had my obstetrician who was checking me and I had a midwife to show me how to breastfeed or do all of these things but there's no one that sits there and says to you This is what's coming next and it's going to be hard, but this is how you cope with it and how you deal with it. And being sleep deprived and being in that state, it is so hard. I also think on top of that, a lot of the time sleep consultants can get a bad rap because people feel like they're going to sit there and make you do methods like cried out because that's what for generations in the past we've been told your child will be spoiled. Don't You can't settle a newborn all the way to sleep. They're going to get used to that. And it's, mm. to be honest, actually all bullshit. It's, right. None of it is real. None of it's true. And this advice has been passed down for generations that sleep consultants are there to make you cry it out so that your children behave and fit into this box that they should. And that also is absolute rubbish. I would never, ever, ever put a parent in a position where they're doing something that they're not comfortable and they feel like they're not allowed to respond to their child. It's absolutely crazy. So a lot of the time people are not eliciting the help from sleep consultants because they are scared of that, that they are going to be made to let make their child cry it out and not respond, which is not true. Um, but there's also that stigma attached to it that, you know, Uh, uh, just a couple more nights I can see it's sort of figuring itself out in a few nights it will be different and it will be fine and it and it's not because you're not getting to the root of the issue of why that those sleep issues are happening because Mm. there's no education about why they're happening so I've sort of made it my life mission to marry my two passions which is sleep and teaching and really help as many parents as I can out there because there is no real education about this sort of stuff. 
And I think it's like with anything, you know, we pick up these, you know, it's like the back in the old days, or I think there's always going to be a back in the old days, they used to do this. Things evolve, things change. Mm-hmm. And exactly depending right. on. We, yeah. Sorry. So, <laughs> no, no, go ahead. I was just going to say like psychology wise, the things that we know these days, as opposed to what was known 50 years ago, has evolved and changed. So mm-hmm. to say, you know, don't respond to your child. It's crazy. Like it's yeah. really crazy. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a really, really interesting thing that mothers in society in these days feel like they, you know, maybe shouldn't be receiving this help because they should be able to do it. And it's so, um, you know, I love the I love the whole thing of I think you said somewhere that we're expected to do it by ourselves. And yeah. it's impossible. And I really believe that I don't think um, anything like that. And I can't even imagine what it must be like to have your baby crying like that and you not being able yeah, to go and respond. It's crazy. Comfort them. And then on top of that as well, I mean, societal pressures of, you know, not having equality of women and their pay and, you know, whatever it is. I have been really fortunate that obviously I could take maternity leave, but my husband and and I decided that what worked for our family, he was really lucky in that his work offered four months of of paternity leave and he Mm -hmm. took it and I went back to work. And that mental load and that, you know, everything that I was experiencing, that that was put onto him for four months. And I'm really fortunate that, you know, his company is amazing and allowed him to do that. But that's part of the societal pressure of saying to a woman, this is your role and this is mm-hmm. what you need to do. And I and I wrote a blog post on my website not long ago about I hate the term superhero and I hear mm-hmm. it a lot. And you get told you are such a superhero. Look at all the amazing things that you can do. Oh, and it trivializes yeah. the mental load that women mm-hmm. experience. I'm not a superhero because I'm navigating life with three children, running a business. I was teaching at the time as well, looking after the household, feeding my kids, looking after the family. That doesn't make me a superhero. You're making excuses for why my mental load is so heavy. So instead of calling me a superhero, help. Yeah. How was that experience for your husband? I feel like I'd love to chat with him as well. (laughs) Uh, He actually... Um, he actually did it for the second time. So we've got three kids. I've yeah. got a daughter who's four and a half. I've got a three-year-old son. And then I've got a 16-month-old son as well. And he actually did it for our middle child. And then mm-hmm. he did it again for um, our third child that we've had. And he absolutely loves it. He actually jumped onto my socials for International Women's Day and sort of gave that message. He's um, he's an engineer. Oh, that's and brilliant. Are, absolutely no women in his field. They are few and far between. And he's really passionate about advocating for women in the industry because he always says that our daughter, Abby, he always says that he wants Abby to be able to grow up and know that she can do everything and anything she wants. And he he's really passionate about it because it kills him that there's not that avenue for women in his industry. And that was sort of the message that he wanted to impart um, when he jumped onto my socials and said, like, we should be growing up in a world where, like, that mental load is reduced and that it's shared because at the end of the day, when you choose to spend your life with someone, whoever that person may be, 
female, male, husband, wife, partner, whatever it is, you enter a partnership and it doesn't become the female's responsibility to take on everything. Everything. That's what society says that you should do. So Mm. we're really fortunate in terms of like, you know, not everyone has that opportunity financially and whatever to be able to do that. We were really lucky that he got paid paternity leave for four months. And um, yeah, it was the second time that he took his leave. So it really worked for us really well. And it was really amazing also seeing the shift in dynamics in our household. That is incredible. And that is something that is difficult uh, in... um, you know, our society in Australia, in the USA, you know, in, say, the UK, where childcare is really expensive. Oh, my God, outrageous. I have three children in childcare at the moment. I've got two oh, in kinder. I can't, one in, I can't imagine. In, yeah, in creche. It's, 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 it's outrageous. I think it's $150 a day for each kid. Oh, my gosh. And then you get rebate. It depends on your means. You get rebate. But, yeah, it's it's insane. It doesn't make sense that something so critical, so needed. Yeah. Has unavailable. Yeah. Yes, that is unavailable. Yeah, it's really crazy. I remember when I was teaching, whatever I was making from teaching was literally paying to send my ch- kids to childcare. Right. And-, and your self-worth as well. For that, like, you know, it's amazing to be able to contribute to the family, but like the self-worth of like earning so little and not sort of taking any of it home because it's going to childcare fees. Mm. It's yet yeah, really, it's crazy. So it's like, why am I working? I'm working. Yeah, like on the one hand, I'm working for myself because, you know, I want to have that that empowerment and feel good about what I'm doing because for me personally, it was important to work because my sanity relied on being able to have something outside of the home and more power to the women who are able to be at home full-time mothers. I really respect that because I found that really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, I needed that for myself, but then I was working, but I wasn't earning any money because it was just going to childcare. So it's really, yeah, it's like, it's crazy. That is something that definitely there needs to be a lot more pressure put on to, Mm. it's just such an obvious thing. I don't, I don't understand the struggle. I think there, there needs to be a whole lot more advocate advocating for that. And yeah, it's, it's disappointing that women need to fight for these rights. To raise children. Yeah. I would come home every day and I'd be like, I used to say to my husband, like, I can't believe how hard I am working for such little return. Like it's soul destroying. Uh, I can completely imagine that it would be. It's, uh, yeah, something that mm, definitely something that needs to be, yeah, lots more pressure put on that one. Yeah. Now, for for babies, what I'm interested in now, when they are so so tiny, they are constantly eating and sleeping, eating and sleeping all the way through the day. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a, I imagine that they're all different in terms of what each baby needs. You can't really yeah. put that There's into. There's no one size fits all. Yeah. Right. And so this would be dependent on so many different factors. The yeah. surroundings so the that I, and everything. Yeah, exactly right. So the way that I like to usually do it, 
what I'll get someone to do before I take them on as a client is I actually get them to fill in an intake form. And this intake form goes through a really, really detailed insight into this child or baby's life. So, you know, how do they like to be settled for sleep? Uh, What are they eating? How many mils are they consuming in terms of milk? If it's solids, how much are they consuming in a day? Um, when are there bedtimes? When do they wake in the morning? What issues are you experiencing? How have you tried to solve those issues? And what I do is when I have this whole intake form filled out, I then actually go and write an assessment based on what the information that the mother's told me. So it is always, always very individualized because it's not a one size fits all. You're dealing with human beings who have different sensory preferences different temperaments, different ways they like to interact with their parents, um, different environments, different cultural um, aspects. That's huge. Huge. Um, And all of these things have to be taken into consideration when you are assessing the situation and sort of helping parents um, holistically look at what's going on and what can be amended, but sticking within the boundaries of what suits a parenting style or a temperament of a child. Mm. How much sleep does a baby get on average a day or that they need to get? So it totally depends on the age. Obviously, Mm. a five-year-old doesn't need anywhere near as much sleep as, say, a 14-week-old does. Mm. Um, But then it's also important to look at each individual child because everyone has different sleep needs. Mm. So you might have a child who's much better on a routine where they have two lots of an hour and a half or two hours naps in the day. You might have a child who's much better on half an hour sleep in the morning and then a two hour lunch nap. So it's it's really dependent on the child. What I would do is when I looked at, you know, the intake form, that's when I would sort of figure out what suits that child best and make my um, suggestions according to that. There are um, obviously, um, you know, um, designated amounts of sleep per age so for example my 16 month old I'll use him as an example is having two hours of sleep during the day and 12 hours of sleep overnight so he's oh imagine 12 hours sleep (laughs) yeah unbelievable right so he's getting 14 hours of sleep in a 24-hour period um another child of the same age might be having an hour and a half sleep during the day and maybe 13 hours of sleep during the night Hey everyone, I'm excited to jump in here and let you know about my upcoming program for 2022. People say knowledge is power, but that's not entirely true. If you do nothing with that knowledge, it's worthless. If you implement it, you become unstoppable. Creating your own business takes work, commitment, dedication to getting tasks done, working through the frustrations when you realize it's more than you thought and you feel like you're always on the verge of quitting. The easy thing to do is give up but that just perpetuates a cycle because when there is something you can't stop thinking about, something that you really wanna create, you'll never be able to shake it. What we're not taught in school is how our brain actually works. It is so hardwired with our individual beliefs based on our own life experiences that it takes the utmost awareness to know what you need to do differently to achieve your goals. This is the single biggest thing that can be the deciding factor on how well you live your life. When you're starting a new business, there are stages you need to go through. Analysis, planning, testing, strategizing, taking action, 
in tandem with accountability and support, etc. This is what I help my clients with. In my 10-week program, I'll take you from being stuck and not knowing how to grow to getting clarity and confidence that will get you to the next level. We'll make sure your niche, target market, offer, and strategy is solid by implementing systems and a step-by-step action plan to strengthen your foundation that will allow you to grow faster than you could have imagined. You'll gain clarity and confidence with every step not ever having to return to where you were ever again. I work with a limited number of clients at any time and to really help you, it needs to be a mutually beneficial fit. This is for someone serious about their growth, for someone who's tired of just getting by to having a healthy business that actually makes money. If this sounds like something you're interested in, send me an email to hello at leonimilano.com that's L-E-O-N-I-M-I-L-A-N-O.com with the word apply and we can jump on a call to see if this works. If you can tell me one thing that you got out of this episode, I'll add an exclusive bonus. Now let's get back to the episode. So you can sort of distribute it differently as long as they're getting, you know, the bigger picture amount of sleep that they need in a day. And do you try to get them into a specific time of of their sleeping or do you so try to there just is, go with what they what Okay, so it, it depends what the parent wants. Some, parent likes, some parents like to have a flexible routine which sort of fits in around what they're doing where they don't look at the hours on the clock, they follow their child's tired signs. You have some right. parents who are like very type A personalities who like to know what's going on every single minute of every single day. So we work with that. I work with that to make it work for the family. Um, there, there is something called biological sleep windows. And pretty much what that is, is there's specific times in the day where a baby's hormone levels will naturally adjust to um, allow their body to fall asleep. So these two hormones are called cortisol and melatonin. Cortisol mm-hmm. is like our awake or stress hormone, whereas melatonin is our sleepy hormone. So if you have a child who's on like a seven to seven routine, as an example, their hormone levels are going to start adjusting themselves to fall asleep between nine and 10 a.m. And again, between 12 and two. So I usually try and structure that the naps are fitting in around those times to naturally work with their hormone levels so that we're not fighting against them. So usually that's what I try and like figure out. But again, cultural differences, um, work schedules, daycare, all of these things come into play. And I usually make it work for a parent or families according to what they've got going on. There's so many variables for everybody. So many variables. That's why um, help or assistance with this stuff is so important because every family is different and their Mm. goals are going to be different as well. What they're wanting to get out of it is going to be totally different. You might have a mom who wants to feed their child to sleep for every single sleep and that's absolutely okay. You might have another mom who doesn't want to feed their child to sleep at all and that's also Mm. okay. So it's working with them and, and culturally what's appropriate and what suits them. Yes, I agree. And that should definitely be um, taken into consideration. It, it's not a one size fits all at yeah, all for exactly anything. Right. Yeah. Now you're able to work remotely with parents yeah. and you work in person with them in Australia. 
Mm-hmm. You also have a masterclass. Can you tell oh, me a little favorite. bit about that? Sure. So um, I do have a lot of clients from all over the world. Um, obviously, I live in Australia. A lot of clients love it on the other side of the world where they get the time difference because it means mm-hmm. that if they're up at night, they can message me and I'll get it because it's during the day for me. So a lot of clients love that aspect of it. Um, my masterclasses were set up as I mentioned before, to marry my passions of sleep and teaching. I have five different masterclasses, one that's for newborns. Mm. Then I've got one from four to six months, six to 12 months, 12 months to end of two years. And then um, the next one's like end of two years to five years old. Um, And I absolutely love doing them. So I usually put them on once a month. Um, I am in the process of recording them so they'll be available on demand. That would be amazing. Yeah, which is amazing. So you can literally access it whenever you need. It could be the middle of the time, uh, middle of the night, whenever it is that you're just feeling like you want to be on top of it and know exactly what's going on. Um, mm. I think that's also where my passion really shines through because it's that's the teaching aspect of it. Um, and it goes through every single thing that you could possibly imagine to do with sleep with your child at that age. So we look at regressions. I give you solutions on how to do things. We look at the the biggest sleep problems that exist at that age. I also look at um, age appropriate expectations so that you're not trying to achieve something at 14 weeks to six month old. Yeah. It's, it's really a very holistic point of view that um, looks at, all aspects of your child at that specific age. Um, I'm actually in the middle of developing guides as well. So it's a written guide. And what Mm -hmm. the guides will have is a QR code that you can actually use your phone. It will take you to a video and you can actually watch me doing those elements of whatever you're learning about. So if it's in the newborn masterclass, like say you're looking at the guide, you'll be able to use the QR code and go and watch me actually swaddle a baby. So how you actually do it. So it's very practical applications. When I do my live masterclasses and also in the recordings, I I have usually a doll with me and Mm -hmm. I actually, I, I replicate exactly what to do so you can actually visually see it. I wasn't able to do any live ones. Sorry. No, no, Um, go ahead. I wasn't able to do any live ones, obviously, because of COVID. So it sort of made this whole level on demand available. Yeah. And once people have paid for the masterclass, they get to keep it and they can kind of keep referring to it. Is that how it works? Eventually. Once you've you've created the Yeah, once I've finished, I'm I'm up to the last masterclass at the moment. I'm halfway through it. It's nearly finished. Um, And, yes, they will be able to. That's fantastic. That will be really helpful. And it's great. Yeah. The online world, you'll be able to help exactly right. so many more people. Your own home. Yeah. Yeah. You post a lot of incredibly helpful tips on your Instagram. I was really impressed with the amount of value that you provide on there. One thing that I absolutely loved reading, which was one of your more recent posts, was about mm. holding space for the little ones. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, when they are, and we spoke a little bit about it before, when they are having that full-on meltdown. And what's really interesting meltdown, is yeah. how we we will see something and we'll make a quick judgment call on things. So if somebody yeah. sees a toddler in a shopping mall 
having and an unbelievable meltdown. Yeah, and it's usually the mother's fault for not controlling the behaviour. Right, and the eye rolling and everything. Yeah. And you really reframed it where you, this is a little human who is developing, yeah. who is experiencing yeah. all these new learning. things. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk a so, bit about that yes. holding space for them and yeah, why it's absolutely. a critical part of their growth? So that, again, goes part and parcel with what I was talking about before when I said, you know, sleep consultants sometimes get a bad rap where they, where you feel like you're told to leave your child in a room and not respond to them because they need to learn how to go to sleep independently or, it's you know, it's almost like they're, they're naughty and they need to figure out that that's not appropriate behaviour. When in reality, and I talk about this so much in my masterclass, especially for older toddlers, there is so much that is going on for them cognitively, developmentally, all these huge things happening for them, um, you know, sensory preferences and they learn these, there's this sensory explosion between two to three years where, you know, I've seen all these funny memes around at the moment that, you know, um, a kid loves a banana one day and they'll have four bananas and ask for it constantly. And then the next day it's like, ew, I hate bananas. Um, and it's, it's so it's probably true. true, right? Exactly. That's that sensory explosion that they're feeling. Like all of a sudden these taste buds are coming out and they, um, you know, understand that I can choose what I want to eat and what I like and this doesn't taste good. And on top of all of that, they're vying for a sense of independence, but at the same time are desperate to be attached to their caregiver. And it's such a hard world for them to navigate that mm. as parents, sometimes we feel like, oh my, kid, oh my God, my kid's crying or they're having a tantrum. I better rush in to save them rather than understanding that feelings are okay. And your child mm. is having some sort of experience where they're feeling their feelings and we as our as parents our job is to foster those feelings and look after them and not stop them from feeling so saying it's okay stop 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 no more crying is not teaching them it is absolutely okay to feel what you're feeling and i'm going to hold space for you oh that's I'm huge gonna, yeah i'm literally going to be here to support you while you feel those feelings so when you're dealing with toddlers on top of all of these huge explosions that they're feeling, you also, because of this vying for control, need to hold empathetic boundaries. And what I mean by empathetic boundaries is if you imagine that you are driving on a bridge and there is a huge body of water below you and you're driving, 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 and this bridge doesn't have any boundaries, how anxious and out of control are you going to feel? Mm. It's going to be really uncomfortable and really scary. For a toddler who's having these huge feelings without having boundaries, they're going to feel the exact same thing. Boundaries mm. is what helps them feel secure and safe. So while we're holding so space. They need it. They absolutely yes, need it. they need it. While we're holding space and letting them know that it's okay to feel your feelings, we also need to have empathetic boundaries where we understand that they're experiencing all of these things feelings are okay, certain behaviours are not. So when it comes to bedtime, that's where toddlers who are at this age absolutely made to push the boundaries, 
this is where at this age, it all of a sudden comes to something like bedtime and they're like, great, I'm going to push those boundaries. And if you let them push those boundaries without having any empathetic limits in place, they're going to take it and run. And what I mean by that is if they say to you, I want more stories, that's not enough. And we don't say to them, no, this is enough stories for what we're having tonight. We've already had two. They're going to push those limits. And it's okay for them to feel very frustrated and upset that they're not getting more stories, but you need to hold space for them and let them feel frustrated and upset. I understand that you're feeling really upset about this. I know that you want more stories, but if we don't go to bed now, we're going to feel really, really tired. And it's mummy's job to make sure that you are not feeling tired and that I'm looking after you nicely. So it's time to go to bed. And it, and sometimes that gets missed. And it's not it's, about... This is huge. This is such an important part of their growth because they are listening and absorbing and watching everything. And we know, we know when we see adults throw tantrums. Yeah. This is because it's a part of their, and I, and yeah, I don't, this is not a woo-woo thing. This is literally how they were raised yeah. at that time in their life, what they got, what they didn't get. Exactly they, right. They're showing yeah. that in their adult life. This is exactly one of the right. most fascinating things. It's playing out their childhood. What didn't happen is playing out in their adulthood. Exactly everywhere, right. Everywhere. Yeah. And yeah. that was a really important point that you said, um, hold having boundaries and allowing them to feel uncomfortable because I think if the mother is feeling uncomfortable, our quick reaction would be, oh, I yeah, don't want to feel uncomfortable. Them, exactly. Make them feel better. Stop crying. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. Okay. We'll do two more stories. Mm. And you just and said, stop crying, stop crying. I think this is uh, something that if the awareness is around more because that stop crying, stop crying, it takes them all the way through. And this is yeah. why we have so many men that don't know how to cry, so many men yeah. that do not know how to show their feelings. And, or of course, I think the, you know. At the same time, yeah, we've got so many mothers who don't know how to ask for help because they were always yes. said, it doesn't matter. Your feelings don't matter. Don't feel because we don't feel in this society. It doesn't matter. And that's where those you, you to assist with sleep and not have those battles in place. It's so important to look after your child in this way. And that's so why, again, a lot of the time sleep consultants get a bad rap because they it, it's it comes across as they're telling you don't respond to your child. And I'm actually saying it's actually the opposite. By responding to your child, you're meeting their needs, you're filling their emotional cup, and you will notice that those bedtime battles, sleeping through the night, all of those things, gone like that. It's so huge. The two things, allowing, allowing the feelings to be processed and discussed and getting the help, both of those things is actually going to help our progression in society for men absolutely, and for women so we can stop fighting for equality and stop fighting for female rights for everything. Yeah. We, it needs to go back and 
when I was speaking to you earlier about uh, International Women's Day and I was at a series of really interesting talks and one of the issues, uh, you know, around there's so much around female empowerment, but it's really speaking to mothers and how they're raising their little boys is going Mm -hmm. to have such a profound impact on how we change in the world. Absolutely right. It's so huge. Yeah, it's so huge. And sleep and all of those issues revolving around bedtime and whatever, it just it becomes so much easier when you know how to actually respond to your child and what they need. Mm. You, you can parent so much better when you've got the help, when you've got the sleep. Well, that's exactly it. It's so all it, part, it's all tied. It's like a repetitive cycle. Yeah, exactly right. And raising children is such a massive job for any parent. Mm-hmm. What are some tips that you can suggest that can help them? So, I mean, it really does take a village to raise a child. It's not mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination just a saying. It really does. Um, my biggest piece of advice would be to outsource as much as you can. So if you could get help to clean your house, if you could get help to, you know, someone come and hold your baby so you can literally make yourself a meal. Um, all of those things are so important and it starts with you. So if you're not looking after yourself, there's absolutely no way you can be in a position to look after a child. Um, and I'm I'm not necessarily talking about self-care. Like I'm not saying go and get your hair done because it's going to mm. make you feel lovely. Of course, that will make you feel lovely, but I'm talking about like bare bones basic looking after yourself make sure that you're eating meals because it is so easy to have a newborn and forget about yourself and not prioritize the fact that you need to eat so Mm. um making sure that you're looking after yourself but looking after yourself not in terms of like self-care i'm not asking you to go and have a bubble bath i'm saying like literally feed yourself clothe Mm. yourself get um, sleep do something nice for yourself every single day Go for a walk by yourself, even if it's for 10 minutes. Um, if you can outsource, if you can get help to run your household, to maintain all of those things, to just take a bit of pressure off you, it's so important. And really, obviously, looking after your own sleep needs and your baby's sleep needs, at the end of the day, it's not good enough to say, you know, I'll sleep one day. I'll sleep when they're a teenager. I'll oh. Don't put yeah, it's so critical. This is it. such a critical time. Yeah. It's There's it's so really help available. Yeah. And joining groups, joining parent groups, or just anything to, to get that anyone, help. Yeah, anyone who's going through something at the same time or a similar time to you is only going to be valuable and helpful to you. Mm. Really important. What would you say are some of the most common infant sleeping problems? Oh, early morning wake up is the top of my list. Mm-hmm. The amount of clients that I have who are experiencing their child waking up for 4.35 every single morning. And often it's an environmental change that needs to happen or a simple routine tweak that is mm-hmm. right at the top of my list. Um, a lot of the time parents are concerned about fitting into a box and worried about, oh, but my child's doing something different to their child and they're sleeping Mm. differently. And um, comparison is the biggest thief of joy 
possible. Um, yeah. So that that comparison is is also a huge issue because whatever works for your mate's kid might not work for your kid. And let um, that be. Let exactly, everybody do exactly their right. own thing. Just yeah. having, you know, in yourself knowing what I'm doing a good job and it doesn't matter what they're doing, but what I'm doing is good. Um, other issues that I see, usually catnapping um, around five, six months where, you know, their, their baby won't sleep anything longer than half an hour, 45 minutes, or I guess also um, not being able to self-settle, meaning you're having to rock your child to sleep or um, feed them to sleep or whatever. And it gets to a point for a a mother where that becomes really difficult because maybe they're too heavy or it's just too hard to keep doing that. So that's also something that I deal with a lot. Right. Yes. There's so many things. Oh my goodness. Mothers are truly incredible. And really the more help it, it just I think every mother deserves to really reach out. And yes. I, I think it's just, it, it's actually a requirement. The whole trying yeah, yeah. to do everything yourself is just That's not. Why, yeah, I feel so passionately about it because this should be available to all moms. Yes, because in, you know, the main caregiver of that child, the, like you said, when you consider the health and well being of that caregiver, how they're interacting and behaving with the baby, if they aren't in a good place, that's going to reflect. And the energy transfer, I think, is huge. So it it, it all just ties in. So it's... um, Exactly right. Wow. So important. Really important. Laurie, thank you so much for joining me. This has just been really eye-opening. It's been amazing. Thank you so educational. I really hope people um, take this advice on board and reach out and get help. Yeah. How can people find you? Okay. I'll tell you that in a second. I just, I, I, again, I'm passionate and I always say this to clients or people on my social medias or um, for me, it's really important to find someone who you think suits your parenting style and your needs. Um, and someone that's not judgmental about what you do. So no one should ever tell you what Huge. to do. They should help you navigate through it. Um, and that's really important for me. For me, it's not about like a money-making scheme of how many clients can I have. For me, it's really about finding the right fit for the family and what works for them. It's not my own bias. It's what works for the family. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be a huge piece of advice. Find someone that suits you and what you're trying to achieve. Um, yes. And that can take time as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, that whole thing of making sure you click with somebody because it is such an important issue. Yeah, and, I mean, I don't take it for granted for a single second how privileged I am that these people let me into their homes to be part of their family for that little while. And it's it's really an honour and a privilege, and I don't take that lightly, and no one should take that lightly. Mm, No, I, I think it's one of the most important jobs. Yeah. Given um, given the knock-on effect. Yes, yes, exactly. Okay, so um my social media on Instagram is um goodnight underscore sweetheart. Sweetheart is spelt like my surname, which is Goodheart. Um it's S W E E T H A R D T. 
mm-hmm. was my surname Goodhart. Um, mm-hmm. So my, that's my Instagram. Nice little Good play on words there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought it was a bit cute. <laughs> so it's goodnight underscore sweetheart. My um, email address is lauriegoodheart at gmail.com. Um, Facebook is same. It's goodnight sweetheart. Um, I'm around. I post all the time. I'm constantly in my stories. I use my family a lot as examples of how things work. So today, for example, my 16-month-old woke up at 5 a.m. and I've explained in my stories how I solved that and got him to go back to sleep, which is something really difficult to achieve. So there is so much free tips, free advice that I give all the time. Um, Obviously, if you're hoping to work with me one-on-one, I've got lots of packages and and consults available. My website is www.goodnightsweetheart.com. Again, Mm -hmm. H-A-R-D-T. So lots of, I do blog posts on my website all the time. So even if you're just looking for a bit of extra information, you can find it there as well. And they could reach out and send you a DM. Exactly. I get, I, I, and I always, always, always reply. It's something that I really pride myself on. I do an ask me a question segment every Tuesday on my Instagram. So even if you're just looking for a quick answer to the question, yeah, that happens every Tuesday. So um, yeah, I'm available. Fantastic. Thank you again. I've really, really enjoyed this. Thank you for having me. Good. Uh, You need to go and, you need to go and pick up all your kids. I need to go pick up all my kids. It never ends, does it? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Laurie. It's been an absolute pleasure. pleasure. Take care. Welcome. Bye-bye. You've just finished listening to an episode of Rare Conversations. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd love for you to leave a review and share it with a friend who you think would be interested in this topic. And if you have a business question, please send it in to us. We may very well answer it in our next episode. So be sure to tag me on social media at Leonie Milano. The show notes and other information can be found on our website at www.leonimilano.com. Thank you again for listening and we look forward to having you back with us again soon.